0: On
1: Daily. So everything starts with a field, right? All farms have fields in them. Uh, and so we do a good job of taking that field boundary and then associating layers of data on top of it.
0: November 14th, 2023, here on a Tuesday edition of the Agnes Daily Podcast. Happy to have Delaney back with us. I feel like we could be playing Where in the World is Delaney San Diego?
2: Thank you. I like it. I like it. It's, it's true. Yeah. Today I'm in Kansas City for the National Association of Farm Broadcasters Annual Convention. So I'll be bringing our listeners, Tanner, some updates from down here in Kansas City. We will have an action-packed week full of news and information. We're going to have some really big names speaking at the conference this week. Secretary Vilsack will be here. We'll have a couple of various panels, one on the new Climate Smart program for farmers to get actually paid on conservation practices that they are currently doing or thinking about implementing. And there'll be a trade show of sorts, although it's really the media is going to each of the booths and in doing interviews. So lots of good content information that's coming out here. So if any of our listeners have questions or thoughts as we head into 2024, you're thinking about something that's top of mind, let me know and I'll try to get an interview lined up for them.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. It's definitely something that is intriguing, especially for those that can live vicariously through you. I want to hit weather here as we get started. We do have strong winds in the forecast here for Iowa, especially northwestern Iowa. There's large risk for wildfires and the spread of those, if they do get started because of how gusty it's going to be. Gusts up to 45 miles per hour could cause hazardous traveling conditions for those that are lightweight and high profile vehicles. In southern Indiana, Extremely dry conditions may also be the same issue there. Combination of dry atmosphere, low moisture, and dry conditions post-harvest is really what has the National Weather Service concern. But we also know our friends in Tennessee are having extremely dry conditions this year, which is affecting, affecting their pasture conditions. Now cattle farmers are worried about what they're going to do with their cattle over the winter as drought conditions seem to worsen. The result, cattle farmers are now looking at other plans for grass this spring, as they don't expect their pastures to green up very quickly. Cow calf producers around the Kingston region state that they are struggling to even find hay.
1: Their area
0: is brown and dried, and it costs so much to ship in from outside of the area, Delaney. It's quite interesting to take a look. USDA's crop progress report said for Tennessee this week shows that pasture conditions are forty-nine percent poor to very poor, and only thirty-five percent are rated fair and fifteen percent are rated good across the entire state. Ranchers are stating that nearly two hundredths of an inch of rain has fell since. Uh the beginning of August. So they're really having to struggle this fall Delaney, So it'll be interesting to see if this creates a domino effect as that drought area widens and what we're going to see for those cattle producers that have their their livestock out on grass.
2: Then you mentioned a lot of news stories there I want to unpack a little bit further. But as related to the drought story here for our nation's cattle herds, the United States has started to import record amounts of beef this year and has been exporting a whole heck of a lot less due to ranchers having to cut cattle herds to some of their lowest levels in decades. This has continued to tighten margins for meat companies like Tyson Foods. Uh, However, I mean, it's good and bad, right? Because With the decline in cattle numbers due to drought and other factors here over the past couple of years, we've really seen soaring U.S. beef prices. Not sure all of that always gets translated down to the producer level, but certainly as we look at the futures boards, the cattle prices have stayed relatively strong. We've certainly pulled back in the past month, but nonetheless, prices are still at record high levels. However, the flip side of that there, as I mentioned, is we're having to start to import cheaper beef. And in turn, that's potentially going to discourage. US beef purchasers internationally. Uh, to buy product from the United States because we simply may not have the supply available. That might also, Tanner, lead to importing cheaper beef products. And for local consumers at the grocery store, they might be discouraged from buying U.S. beef if it's got a higher price tag at the grocery store compared to potentially products that are being imported from Argentina, Brazil, and others. So, it's something certainly to keep an eye on here. I think it's one topic I'll be trying to hit on with a couple of folks this week at NAFB. But all in all, it's also tightening Tyson, Cargill, JBS's prices as well. And that might make, in turn, here in the long run, uh, we see less prices or less competition being paid out here for beef producers. So we're at that tipping point, Tanner, I think, where. For a while, it was good to have a tightening cow herd. Now, I think we're heading into some territory here, unpredicted territory that may have a negative effect on the cattle market. But you also mentioned the crop progress report. Corn moved along nicely here, completed 88% of harvest as of Sunday, November 12th. That's two percentage points ahead of the five-year average. Soybeans may not get much higher than this, Tanner. We are now at 95% complete as of Sunday, and these reports typically never get to fully 100% completion. The report did note, however, that most northern states are close to being finished. Michigan and Wisconsin, most notably Tanner, still have a little bit of harvest left to go. Winter wheat planting advanced three percentage points last week to now 93% complete as of Sunday. And that is two percentage points behind last year's 95%. But all in all, things are chugging right along there as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. It would be interesting to see. I saw a gentleman combining soybeans outside of Durant yesterday as I was on the road. So (laughs) Iowa's got to be getting closer as there's not much crop left in the field. We are seeing maybe a little hangover from the COVID outbreak that is still affecting the dairy industry. Supply chain issues are back again affecting those producers. This time it's a shortage of milk cartons. On October 25th, the US Department of Agriculture issued a policy memo acknowledging that schools in multiple states are experiencing milk supply chain challenges due to the packaging issues. USDA funded milk program and operators within that program stated that they are foregoing the requirements if they are experiencing supply disruptions, along with school single serve cartons, the widely used in schools. It is also being used in hospitals and nursing homes. The root of the issue comes in a backlog, a backlog of active Evergreen, a packaging company in Lake Forest. The Evergreen bills itself states that the leading manufacturer of fresh food and beverage packaging in North America has not offered an official explanation as to why their supplies are diminishing and why they are in a backlog currently. In 2023, they announced their restructuring to Combines Beverage and Food and Merchandising Division as a part of a strategy to help grow their company. But this Delaney closed a paper mill in Canton, North Carolina, as well as shut down a facility they are converting in Olmsted Falls, Ohio. The dual closures resulted in about 1,300 jobs lost and might be the reason the Melt Carter shortage began happening. September 2023 is when it started to show up. Obviously, as schools started back in session, but now the U.S. dairy packaging manufacturer, Terrapak, is looking to have to turn borders away as the demand is continuing to increase. So it'll be interesting to see if this shakes out or who steps into the market to help make these milk cartons so the dairy industry don't have supply chain issues.
2: Well. Huh. You know, when you think about those milk cartons, probably a lot of those, Tanner, might be going to schools, which are probably largely funded through the Farm Bill. We saw over the weekend that a stopgap spending bill was released by House Republicans on Saturday that would extend the 2018 Farm Bill by one year. The Farm Bill, of course, expired on September 30th of this year, and the one-year extension would help the Farm Bill, as it is, remain in place until September 30th of 2024. Dana, I don't think this comes as any huge surprise as we're starting now to get rumors or allegations, or however you want to phrase that, that the Farm Bill is in fact going to trickle potentially into 2025. So this new piece of legislation would help us Get through the short-term hurdle here to get this Farm Bill passed. Keep things remaining as-is, status quo, and make sure that some of those programs that are implemented through the Farm Bill, such as food quality assurance programs, WIC, school lunch programs, and of course, all of the normal agricultural programs that we think about today, keep those remaining intact until September of next year and give legislators some time to get this thing passed. Don't have any movement on this yet, Tanner, but uh, without congressional action, we already know that a government shutdown is also looming ahead with the November 17th deadline here. stopgap bill released by the House Republicans could be held as early as today, so we'll keep an eye out on this stopgap measure to see if, in fact, we do see that passed at least short term.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think (laughs) there's a lot more in store for that. Uh, But if we can get it wrapped up in at least another year down the road, that will be beneficial to a lot of people. Hanko is making waves over at Agritechnica. They announced their joint venture with Trimble in September, but attendees during Agritechnica's 2023 conference got to see two new tractors. The new 9S tractor, the largest of their S series is a tractor that has the S series has six models in it, but the new nine is 425 horsepower stock for the factory. This is the new flagship for Massey Ferguson's straightforward and dependable new era of tractor. The S journey started with 8S in 2020 and has now continued to add increased horsepower amounts with their new. Uh, engine modifications we also saw that vent underneath the agco brand rolled out another brand new tractor of their own of their vario series this is the models that range between 150 and 200 horsepower meant to be effective in and around small and compact areas or on ranches so it looks like agco is continuing to put A lot of their Trimble technology into the cabs of these machines, but plenty more to come from Agri-Technica as uh, the week progresses. I'm sure there'll be a lot of new releases and headlines, as it seems like that's the place where a lot of new technology comes out, Delaney.
2: Absolutely. It looks like it has been a fun experience, Tanner. I think we should put that on our bucket list to attend in another two years when it comes back around.
0: I would agree. I think that would be uh, an absolute blast. But the last headlines that I have for today is just an update on what's happening in the Gaza region. Of course, reported yesterday that hospitals were having issues. The only hospital that is currently operational is in northern Gaza. Joe Biden made an announcement yesterday stating that hospitals must be protected and received allegations for Israelis that uh, they are looking to deny firefighters into the region to make sure that they are protected. Of course, health workers are uh, really struggling at the largest hospital in Gaza. They refuse to follow the evacuation order. That includes nearly 700 people that would be left behind. Uh, So they are doing the best that they can without much communication or supplies. So Not great scene there, Delaney, on the hospital side of things.
2: No, certainly not, Tanner. And we're starting to continue to get reports out there uh, about some new issues coming from the Gaza Strip region. I'm sure that's going to be a topic of discussion this week as well. So hope to bring our listeners more insight as this conflict unfurls. But Tanner, I believe the only news I have left for today is markets. What do you say? Let's do it. Well, as we take a look at the overnights here, we're starting to see a little weakness as we head into the opening session. December corn is down two and a quarter cent in the overnight at four seventy-five. November soybeans down nine and a quarter cent at twelve ninety-seven and three-quarters. Hopping down into the wheat pits here, the Chicago December contract down three-quarters of a cent at five seventy-eight and a quarter. December hard ride winter wheat is up a quarter at six forty-one and three-quarters, and December spring wheat up two and a half cents on the board this morning. At 7.31 and a quarter. Livestock yesterday, and a quick reminder at where they closed, they finally saw some strength here in the cattle contracts. December Live Cattle added 75 cents, opening this morning at a buck 74.92. January feeder cattle added a half yesterday, will open this morning at $2.28.30. And December Lean Hogs added $1.45 to the board, opening this morning at $73.35. Tanner, for today's Tech Tuesday Conversation, Bushel had some exciting news that they released recently about some new software technology for farmers, grain buyers, and other retailers. So let's turn it over to our conversation with Bushel.
0: Well, Delaney, it's always fun to grab a headline, grab a press release and get to the bottom of the story. Excited to talk about some grant funds that are going to help power sustainability forward with a couple of team members from Bushel. So welcome to the podcast, guys. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having us. Doing well this morning. Before we get into the press release, why don't you guys take a turn here and uh, introduce yourselves to our listeners and what your role is with Bushel.
1: Go ahead, Ian. All right. Uh, my name is Ian Hall. I'm our product manager uh, for Bushel Farm here. I uh, come from a background of a family farm in northeast Nebraska and then have a little bit of experience in the digital side with a couple uh, ag tech companies uh, and then a couple positions in the ag supply chain as well. So it's nice to be here. Great to meet you. And
3: I'm Brent Flint. Um, I'm a business development manager here at Bushell. Fo- kind of focused on this effort that we're going to chat about. Um, I grew up on a farm around Elba Lake, Minnesota.
2: Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to chatting with you both more about the exciting news that Bushel just announced as the new recipient of a grant through the state of North Dakota to help develop some software around carbon intensity scores. So I want to dig into that a little bit more, but let's lay the groundwork first for discussing carbon intensity scores because we've got some new legislation, the Section 45Z tax credits, and that's really going to tie this thing full picture here. I've heard about Section 45Z tax credits, but I need a little bit more, and I think probably our listeners do too. So, gentlemen, let's start there, talking about what those tax credits are and how that's really going to move the needle here for carbon measuring and intensity scores.
1: Sure. So the 45Z tax credits are part of the – inflation reduction act of 2021 i believe Uh, and what these aim to do is measure carbon intensity of the ag fuel industries essentially so renewable biodiesel um, ethanol sustainable aviation fuel Uh, and what they aim to do is get a get a record put together for what the producer is doing on the field and then as they deliver that grain to a renewable fuel facility uh, it puts a tracking well, it puts the onus on the fuel facility to understand their total carbon intensity. So the production side, the processing side, and then the transportation side. Um, And for every point on the scale that they're measuring here of carbon intensity, uh, the federal government is providing a tax credit to those facilities. Um, And that's going to really incentivize those companies to start looking at Uh, verification and modeling of those carbon intensity scores, starting with the the farm uh, and the inputs going into each field, tracking that grain into the facility and then understanding how intense their um, processing facility is, and then how far away they're sending that um, fuel to get mixed in with um, ethanol, with regular gas, or whether it's biodiesel into a supply chain or a sustainable aviation fuel going into the airlines.
0: Wow, that sounds like there's going to be a lot to
1: keep track of. So, where does Bushel
0: fit into this picture?
1: Yep. So uh, at Bushel, we talk about um, kind of digitizing a lot of infrastructure, and so what Bushel's done a really good job at in the last five, six years now um, is providing white label software based off of a grain facilities ERP system. Uh, so when you think about contract settlements, scale tickets, uh, invoices. Uh, all that good stuff that the farmer and the agribusiness are making transactions on. Um, We've gone into those ERP systems, integrated with them, and then provided those companies with a white label application um, in a a mobile sense uh, so that farmers and those facilities can be better aligned. Um, and then in 2021, Bushel purchased a company called Farm Logs that we've now rebranded called Bushel Farm. Uh, and that is a, a farm management system that looks at farm level record keeping organization. And then it gets into bringing that Bushel data set in from those facilities automatically. Uh, we also bring in data from like your John Deere Op Center or the climate field view pucks. Um, and what that aims to do is help farmers stay more organized. Uh, and what we're looking for here with the the grant that we received is combining those two things together, right? We know we have good organized records on our field production side, and then good organized records of the grain transactions, um, and we feel that we have a, enough information there to help our customers, the fuel processing facilities, get more information uh, permission by farmers, of course, uh, in order to alleviate the carbon um, headache that. Uh, the legislation is asking to alleviate and then get more certifiable, sustainable records going as well.
2: Yeah, And so you, as you look at measuring that carbon intensity score, your, your software is really going to help pull all of those data pieces together. But what are those different data points that go into reporting and measuring a carbon intensity score?
1: Yeah, good question. So everything starts with a field, right? All farms have fields in them. Uh, And so we do a good job of taking that field boundary and then associating layers of data on top of it. So you think about um, planting, spraying, tilling, um, harvesting, what have you, just your normal farm activities. Uh, Bushell Farm is set up to take those activities, whether they're pulled in from a a machine data provider like uh, John Deere Climate or any of the technology that's in a the cab these days and then associating that to a field boundary and then as that grain is harvested and either moved uh, into a bin on the farm or to a facility directly uh, we provide the technology there to organize and understand where that grain and those production records have been going and then moving that along associating it to those scale tickets to the facilities and then ultimately combining those records into kind of a super scale ticket call it. Uh, We know there's a few attributes on scale tickets, but need to have one more on there, which will be carbon intensity here soon. So how do
0: you plan to ramp up this new service? Will your company be adding staff collaborations? What does it look like for the next steps to really get this implemented?
3: I think, um, I, it's actually what what's helped us here is through the um, CC grant that the state of North Dakota um, has that we've been involved in is allowed us to kind of um, look at our product roadmaps and essentially um, a lot of the stuff that we have within the product allowed us to sort of fast forward a little bit and as you know, some of the features and functionality that we had um, that aligned to this, this traceability story Ian just talked about is more about, it was sort of on the roadmap and the CC grant allows us to sort of fast forward some of that into our development within the next year. So it, it's helping us fill some, um, fill the, I guess the traceability map from field to um, load to bin and then to the um, elevator. So it allows us, the through the CC grant, it's allowing us essentially to um, get going on it faster, essentially. Um, and we're pretty excited about uh, the next year. And we're already starting to um, uh, engage with some of our uh, existing customers to just talk about what the opportunity is and, and how that rolls into things like 45Z.
2: So, Brandon, as you look at 2024, it's going to be a big year to get this new program and software rolled out. What does that pilot program look like for your customers?
1: Go ahead. Uh, So... The customers that we're engaging with uh, already have our Bushel mobile application. So that's where a farmer goes in and sees their scale tickets, contracts, settlements, bids. Um, we have a lot of really great functionality in there. Like we allow farmers to make offers uh, on their grain into the markets and whatnot. Um, and then we have a, a long-standing product in Bushel Farm. So we have a lot of the tools set up and ready to go. And like Brant said, um, we're just gonna be expediting the tools to make the connections happen there. Uh, so tying those field records together, Together to those scale tickets and contracts, uh, moving that data out into the the MRV space to get verified. Um, so what we're engaging with our customers to do is set up those pilot programs. You know we need to have um, a subset of farmers test this in a pilot year uh, in 2024. So we've been engaging with quite a few folks. Uh, to get that ramped up. Uh, There's still a little bit of nuance left in the legislation in terms of requirements on verification. Uh, So we've been working with some uh, established partners in more of the carbon space Uh, To think about uh, what's been working previously. Why is this different? How is this different? Where do we need to go? What are those key pieces that we need to build in and then uh, aligning toward what model the companies that we're doing business with want to be able to score their carbon intensity on Um, so we can provide all of the the field level data, or the farmer can provide the field level data, I should say. Uh, we can get those scale tickets and contracts going, but then we need to send them to a model. Uh, and some of those models are a little bit different on how they score. Uh, regionality comes into play. Uh, year to year comes into play a little bit, too, just based on climate climate conditions and weather and whatnot. So trying to align all those pieces to provide our customer, the grain company, um, a kind of a soup to nuts type program so that they can uh, have the, the right guardrails set up to have the right um, program, but also enough flexibility to choose the partners and scoring attributes that they would like to put into their uh, program as well. I'm going to add to that. I think
3: one thing uh, as a part of the CC funds and one of the clear deliverables for the for the program is actually the dashboard that allows us to aggregate some of that data. So what Ian just said there around, um, you know, all the data points coming together, what we're trying to enable then is not only a farmer to be able to see a CI score by their field profile, but then on the green buyer side, being able to see a roll-up of that in what we're currently calling a traceability dashboard, um, branding TBD on that, but Um, So what it allows them to do is see a a roll-up of CI scores across all the bushels, for example, and all the contracts that they're involved in. Um, And that's really our first step into um, this world of um, sustainability and um, traceability, if you will, enabling that and aligning some of the reporting for the grain buyers so they can participate in these things but for the for the farmer i think the key here is we're changing we're enabling a behavior that the industry is just really pushing on and that's you know digital rec record keeping and allowing the farmer to drive the details of their farm into programs in which they want to participate Um, and so bushel is always you know we're we see ourselves as a digital leader in that way, and so the, the constructs of this program and the way we're going about it is, is leading right into that. We want, to be, we want to enable farmers to feel empowered to manage and be a part of this larger ecosystem around there and ultimately um, have this be part of their normal operating procedure every, every year as they, um, uh, work on the farm and, and, and do their activities on the farm and then eventually get paid for it. Right. I mean, that's what, that's what everybody wants.
0: Well, that's great folks. I know our listeners are going to be curious. So here, as we wrap up, what's the best way for them to find you guys, look you up and maybe learn more about this.
3: Yeah. On, um, uh, probably the, the easiest way, if you really wanted to read more, Bushel's got a, uh, a page on, on the website, uh, a sustainability section. If you had questions to engage with it, you can absolutely just email me directly if you want, bflint at bushelpower.com, um, or, or just submit right within that sustainability page uh, is uh, just a quick input form, and that actually makes its way right back to our team anyway. Um, so either way is fine, um, and I'm
1: happy to answer any questions that you guys run into yep. find us on the web at bushelpowered.com uh backslash sustainability is that page that Brandt said and then all of our socials are bushel powered as well um linkedin twitter facebook the normal channels of socials these days
0: awesome well thanks guys appreciate you taking some time with us
1: yeah thanks for having us thanks well there you go delaney it's always fun to get
0: caught back up with some of our friends that we've done interviews with in the past so good conversation there. We'll be back again tomorrow, right, Delaney? Are you still going to be in the same spot?
2: I will. I'll be joining tomorrow from Kansas City, Tanner, so all of our listeners can look forward to hearing from us then. But what do you say in the meantime, we let our listeners go.
0: Let's let them go.